0: Hello, and welcome back to the Dear Prudence Show once again. And as always, I'm your host, Daniel Mallory Ortberg. With me this week in the studio is Falou Akin-Kuotu, an internet person who lives in Boston. She's an obsessive home baker who is always happy to share her baked goods from the endless supply in her purse. She has a better haircut than you and has never once logged off. Falou, welcome so much to the show.
1: Great to be here.
0: Did you bring any baked goods in your purse or were they all thrown to the angry train passengers? um, Uh, It was, yeah,
1: it was a way that I made it out safely. Uh, Mm -hmm. I got stuck on the train and people were yelling. And as they were clawing at me, throwing cookies, throwing small cakes,
0: it was like the Hunger Games backwards because there's food, I guess. That's what I imagine the Hunger Games are like and about. And um, I'm so sorry that you had to be in a place where people were yelling in public. There is no way to ensure that I will leave a situation faster than if people start yelling.
1: Yeah, it's always
0: stressful. I will jump out a window rather than listen to someone yelling. Um, So in the spirit of conflict avoidance and leaping out of windows... Um, I think that's going to be the approach I take today as we try to give people advice. Um, It's just going to be, how do we get out of this? That's fair. Would you please read our first letter? Uh,
1: Subject, how do I talk to my husband about wanting to do sex work? Dear Prudence, my husband and I are currently living on his income alone. We're managing fine, but it's not ideal. I have health issues that make conventional work hours difficult to maintain. I can't drive, and we live in a small town with few employers and no public transport. So I've been unemployed for a while now. In the past, my solution to this problem has been sex work. My husband is aware of this and is perfectly fine with it. I currently travel to see my family in the UK every month as flights from our country are incredibly cheap. For now, I've been thinking about working in London on these trips, specifically with a few fetish porn studios. There's no sex... I'm comfortable with the fetishes and with the videos of me being online and I can make more than half of our rent with two three-hour shoots. I don't think my husband would consider me asking about this as a betrayal, but I do want him to actually consider it and not immediately default to a no. How can I bring this up in a way that makes it clear for me? This really does feel like the easiest answer to a lot of problems.
0: So uh, I feel like Uh, Although the specific situation is not one that I get all the time, there's this kind of um, sense that I do sometimes get from letters, which is like, I think this is a really good idea. Do you agree that this is a really good idea? How do I convince my spouse that there is no possible way for them to disagree with me?
1: Yeah, I think it's just it's making it seem like there's only one possible answer to it when there's really two people involved with this
0: and they can right. each have their own viewpoints. Yes. I Like, I think you have good reasons for wanting to consider this. Um, I totally understand uh, the limits that you feel comfortable with and the reasons that you think it would be good for your family. Um, I think you should present those ideas to your husband. Um, I certainly think you should say, I really hope that you will give this some serious thought rather than shut it down immediately. I don't just want to have one response and then end the conversation. Um but you know if if what you want is how do i present this to my husband in such a way that i like can logic him into saying yes i don't think that that's possible
1: yeah i think that you know it is much like any other job it's labor and within that there's different issues of what type of labor labor you're comfortable performing you know the what will happen within that those situations but i think there's A bigger question is a person within a relationship who is doing sex work. And I think you just have to talk about that and listen to what your partner is saying. You can't really just say, hey, I'm presenting this. Please just, you know, actually listen to me. You have to kind of listen to them as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you might have some fabulous, fabulous reasons for wanting to do it. And if your husband were to come back and say, you know, it would make me feel uncomfortable and like it violated the, you know, the uh, nature of our relationship. And obviously I can't tell you what to do and what not to do, but it would hurt me and I would find it painful. Um, then that's also, you know, meaningful information that, that, that you also have to weigh when it comes to thinking about what decision you want to make. Um, so I, I think you can certainly say to him, I've been giving this some thought. I want to talk about it with you. My fear is that, you know, even though you were comfortable with my having done this in the past, um, it would not cross your mind as like a viable source of income now. And I really want to talk to you about it and what limits we might be able to come up with together as a couple. But, you know, the, the only way to find out what his objections may or may not be are to ask him um, and you can you can certainly ask him to consider it with an open mind, but you should also then listen to him with an open mind um, and not try to move past, like, potential discomfort by saying, like, no, 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 there's just really good reasons to do it. Therefore, those are the only things we should talk about are the good reasons and nothing else.
1: Yeah, that is my thoughts exactly.
0: Shoot. Well, I guess I was sort of hoping for something bigger and flashier. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, this is just something that you two are going to have to talk about together and... Hopefully you will be able to listen to one another really well um, and make your case. And certainly it does sound like a great way to make a lot of money quickly. Um, that's always great. I wish everybody who wrote in could find a way to make a lot of money quickly. I um, wish I could find a way to make a lot of money quickly as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's. I think it is also good that you say you don't think your husband would, like, be offended by your even raising the question. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's... That's something to to consider, and I think you should just bring it up and say, here's my big concern. Yeah, and I think also you can
1: kind of talk about the precautions you would take, because I think that any person who has done sex work in the past probably has rules of their own. They probably have, you know, hard and fast things that they're not willing to do, and since she's going into the situation, you know, to kind of explain that she's not walking into it blind,
0: so... Mm -hmm
1: just to kind of work from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And good luck. Let us know how that goes. Let us know how the conversation goes. Let, let us know whether or not you're you're able to start doing that and um, to what degree that's helpful for your family's finances. And, you know, if not, I hope you two are able to talk about other options that you might have or um, whether or not this is something thing you would want to revisit later. All right. So this next one, I think we'll maybe have the potential to spend a little more time with it um, because this one's got a lot It really Um, does. The subject is shambles, and that's, I, I, I think, an accurate description of the situation. Dear Prudence, my husband has gotten a friend of ours pregnant. She personally came by to tell me the news. She wanted to be, quote, a good friend and be honest with me. She's decided to keep the pregnancy, and my husband has tried to get her to have an abortion. My husband didn't deny it, but begged me to forgive him. I told him that I wanted a divorce. He asked me to hold off through the holidays because his grandmother is dying and his mother has a heart condition. We have a seven-year-old son together. I can't tell anyone. My husband and I go about our days pretending to be a normal loving couple, and I go into the guest room at night and cry. I don't know how I'm going to deal with these next few months. Worse, professional and personal obligations mean that I'll be forced into proximity with my former friend, and I have to pretend she didn't fuck my husband in our own bed. She was very happy to share that detail. How do I deal with this? People are noticing that something's up and I can only use the lie. Oh, I'm under the weather so many times. Help. So I'm really
1: just wondering why the letter writers ended up with so many terrible
0: people in her in their close circle. Uh, cause, yeah, that's awful. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm so sorry. I, I think my biggest question is, uh, I feel like maybe the letter writer has been in kind of a state of shock um, and that's why uh, they agreed to go along with this. Like, we'll pretend I didn't get someone else pregnant until after Christmas ruse. Yeah. Um, don't do that. There's no reason to do that. I, 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 I don't want to be dismissive of the fact that his grandmother is dying. But who gives a shit? Like, she'll
1: Absolutely. still be dying on
0: December 26th, or yeah. else she'll be dead by then. Yeah,
1: and if. He was so worried about his mother and his grandmother. He probably shouldn't have gotten someone else pregnant. Um, Just throwing that one
0: out there. Yeah, yeah. If those things had been really important to him, um, he would have not done something that was going to blow up his entire life. So, you know, his mother having a heart condition... I don't know why that means you have to pretend he didn't cheat on you and get someone else pregnant until after Christmas. Is it just like your son's infidelity is kind of like a jump
1: scare in a scary movie? (laughs) Like, whoops, you raised a terrible person.
0: Yeah. And and by the way, like I'm saying this in a joking tone, not because I want the letter writer to feel worse. But I want to point out that what he's asking is just stupid and silly um like it's just an absurd it's not a reasonable request there's nothing about it that's going to do you any good all it does is benefit him and harms you profoundly so stop it right now this like dumb agreement he forced you to give as this weird accommodation um you are not bound by it there's no code of honor attached to it call it off right the hell now um make him move out today tell your friends today Call his mother, right? I mean, maybe don't call his mother, but like start telling people so that you can get the help and support that you need right now. Like don't keep this secret for him. Don't make him look good at Thanksgiving. Um, it, it, you know, Obviously, this doesn't necessarily something that you want to share with everybody in your life because it's painful and embarrassing. But if somebody that you're close with asks, how are you doing? Don't say I'm under the weather. Say, I'm doing terribly. My husband cheated on me with a a good friend uh, and she's pregnant and she's keeping the baby and I don't know what to do.
1: Absolutely. And losing your husband and your best friend or one of your friends in one fell swoop is kind of your entire support mechanism going out the window so telling other people will make the letter writer feel like they're not in it alone and this is a big thing to carry and it's hard to get through the holidays when your life is going well um so i can't imagine trying to do that with this on your shoulders and with a small
0: child and it's barely october now like it's not like he it's not like you found out on like december 20th and you're like all right five days from now i can get through five days this is all of october all of november and all of december that's three more months of this I I don't want that for you. And I got to say, part of my worry here, because your husband has already revealed himself to be about the scummiest guy you can imagine, um, is that he's going to use this time to create a narrative that makes him look like not a monster. Um, And that if, you know, he gets you to keep it a secret until he can decide to start telling people about it, he's going to frame it in such a way um, that makes you look like a bad person Um, because I don't trust this guy. I don't think he's honorable. I don't think he's trustworthy. So the fact that, like, I I, I think he is making a plan here. And the plan is either uh, to get you to, like, not leave him Um, first by tricking you into like staying until Christmas and then eventually like, well, I have another grandmother and she is also dying or um, because he wants to get his ducks lined up in a row so that he can make a plan for after the end of your marriage um, that involves torpedoing more of your social circle or your family support. And maybe that's a little paranoid, but I get a lot of letters like this. And once somebody is at the level of impregnated a friend of ours and then tried to get them to have an abortion, um, there's not a lot else they won't stoop to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then also the fact that there is a child involved and as much as parents think that you can hide things from kids, they're incredibly perceptive. They know what's happening. They don't always know the details, but they know that there's an issue and they know that something's being hidden from them. So it'll start to impact the relationships with both of the parents, even the one who didn't go and do this terrible thing. So that's a little bit rough if you continue to go along with their husband's terrible ruse... It's going to hurt your connection with your child, which is not what yeah. anyone wants, and it's not what you deserve because you didn't do the bad thing.
0: Yeah, and and I want you too to spend this time like consulting a divorce lawyer um, and getting a custody plan in place because if your husband's going to be um, having to support this other child and you are also going to be filing for divorce, then it's going to be important for you to establish custody. It's going to be important for you um, to plan how you're going to be able to afford a divorce lawyer um, and how much. Uh, you know, you can get support for your child. Um, So all of that is stuff that's going to be difficult and painful and take time. Um, And so I think it will help to start now. I know this can sound really overwhelming, but at least you won't be going through every day pretending to be happily in love with the man who slept with one of your friends and, and had a child with her.
1: Yeah, especially living in the same house with that person every single day and then going out in public and having to live in that lies is a lot. It's just too much for one person
0: and you shouldn't have to do it, it. it. And you're getting nothing out of this. This doesn't benefit you in any way. And this whole my grandmother is dying and my mother has a weak heart thing is just, it's laughable. It's laughable and it's weak. And I'm so sorry that he has been both cruel and weak towards you because that's such a shameful combination.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a very, very terrible man uh, doing yeah. very terrible things.
0: Sell the bed. Self, Abed. bed, you know, like once you've once you've been able to file for divorce, like just get rid of anything that he cheated sure. on you with. Um, take care of yourself because, you know, a year from now, three years from now, you are going to have minimal contact with this man. And it's going to feel so, so, so much better than getting up every morning from the guest ca- like bedroom, pretending you weren't sobbing all night and then going out and saying, I'm great. I'm great. My marriage is great.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe find something that he cares about just take it away just you know some toy he likes some clothes maybe burn something just you need you need a little bit of
0: catharsis and support so just stop
1: living in it alone
0: I live in California so I don't want to advocate setting anything on fire because this state is on fire roughly half of the year That's but true. you know certainly you you have you have bent over backwards for this awful awful man um if there's anything that you can do to get a little bit of your own back that would feel helpful and meaningful and that is not dangerous or illegal, you have my blessing. Mine as well. <laughs> um, all right. This next letter is all you.
1: All right. Subject se- step sibling reunion. Dear Prudence, my dad was married to a horrible, abusive woman when I was a kid. She had a younger daughter. I became very close to and thought of as a sister. When they split up, I didn't get to say goodbye to my sister. In fact, I hid outside in the bushes because I was so scared of her mom, not knowing it was the last time I would ever see her. I was 14, and I'm still embarrassed when I think about it. My dad and I were forbidden to contact her in any way, and I'm now in my late 20s and finally found her on social media. What do I say? I feel like I abandoned her, but... I'm not sure if that's how she remembers the situation. How do I start the conversation? Send a Facebook request? Ugh.
0: This one was really, really sad and painful.
1: It really was. Um, I think that the letter writer is carrying a lot of shame that they shouldn't be. Um, I think that when you are in a family dynamic with abuse, even in adulthood, even if you have been able to deal with some of that with, you know, the help with therapy or other tools or family support, um, I think you carry a lot of weight of the way that it interacted, the way that it impacted other people that were in that family dynamic. And I think that you know, going into this, uh, they're kind of feeling like they could have done more. But at 14, what you can't really do anything.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, especially if this woman in question was abusing, you know, you and possibly your father. You were 14. Like, you, you could not have done anything.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's a very, very sad situation. And I think that going into this and reaching out to this other former sibling or person that, you know, you're very close to, I think you kind of have to prepare yourself that they could have a fully different image of this person who was abusive to you. Um, And I think that can be very hard and hurtful, but, you know, it is a possibility that you kind of have to go into it knowing that it could occur.
0: Yeah, so I I think that for this, the strategy should be um, something that is open, but does not go into a lot of detail about either how the letter writer remembers that last experience or also assuming how the um, stepsister in question might think about it. Like so, rather than saying like, "Hey, I have felt really uncomfortable and anxious about contacting you because your mother was abusive to me, and I have felt a lot of guilt around this, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I miss you, but I I was forbidden from contacting you." Like that's a lot. Um. So since you don't know how she remembers the situation, you know, if Facebook is kind of the only way that you can find her to get in touch. Um, You know, you can certainly send a request with a message that's something like, you know, I'm not sure if this is you, um, but I've thought of you a lot over the years. I really miss you. Um, I'd love to talk if you're ever around. Like something that just makes it clear. You think about her. You miss her. That does not go into detail yet um, and and leaves plenty of room for her to to either say yes or no.
1: Yeah, I think that openness is very important. Um, Not really putting any pressure on the interaction and just kind of letting it bloom naturally.
0: Yeah. Is there, do you think there'd be any advantage to saying something like I was not allowed to get in touch with you? Or do you think that that presumes too much about how the sister in question might feel about her mother um, and should be saved for if the sister is open for a conversation?
1: I think to stay away from saying something that would be so clear about I. I wasn't allowed to get in touch with you. Maybe something that would say, like, it's a shame that we weren't able to keep in touch, which isn't a lie. It's just saying that, you Mm -hmm. know, we weren't able to keep in touch. It's not really saying the details of why that happened. um, Because it's clear, like, just saying that it's not what I wanted, but it happened. But not really putting any pressure on the details.
0: Yeah. And my guess is you will get a pretty clear sense from her quickly if she does respond. Like either she doesn't respond, in which case, you know, it's painful, but you know not to press. Um, Or she does respond in a way that kind of lets you know how she does think about it or has thought about it. Because, you know, if she was younger than you, if she was like 10 or 11, she might have felt abandoned in that moment but later as she grew up and saw the ways in which her mother, you know, abused and controlled other people around her, she might have come to understand that that was not um something that you chose to do. Um you you kind of don't know but certainly if she seems like confused or like her mother had told her an alternate version of events, like they didn't want to talk to you ever again, you could absolutely like once that conversation starts say, you know, I was really scared. Um I wanted to contact you so much, but we had no way of getting in touch with you. I've missed you. I'm so sorry. Like, um, there may be an opportunity to clear some of that up, but I don't think you should start with that just in case, um, you know, she doesn't want to talk about it or, or is not interested in, in reopening contact, which would be painful, but you certainly can't force someone to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And just again, like you didn't abandon her. You were 14 years old. You you were hiding because you probably had an accurate sense of how dangerous this woman was. Like, you know, you you were hiding because you were afraid and and you were doing all you could in that moment to stay safe. And obviously it can feel really painful and scary to think about ways in which you couldn't help someone else in that moment. But you could not have. You did not have the tools. You were not an adult. Um, You were not able to, like, push back against her on an equal footing. So I hope you can forgive yourself um, because you did not cause the abuse.
1: Absolutely. It was the adults that, you know, failed to to do what they were supposed to in that situation, not you as a child.
0: Yeah. But that's hard to let go of. So I hope, you know, if it doesn't lift or even if talking to her doesn't help, that you're able to maybe see a therapist about some of that and try to work towards finding ways to um take some of that pressure off of yourself because that sounds like a, a big weight to carry. And uh so this next one feels like somehow connected to it, I guess, um, in the sense that I'm kind of picturing a future scenario like 50 years from now where the mother in question dies.
1: Yeah, it's just all but, one connected, like multiverse.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, but the subject of this letter is mummy issues. And that's, an ac- again, an accurate title. Very much Dear so. Dear Prudence. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Dear Prudence, we recently found out that my husband's mother passed. He was overjoyed and danced around the room with a glass of wine, singing Ding Dong the Witch is Dead. They've been alienated for decades. I never met the woman, and by all accounts she was a horrible person, but I was still shocked that this sweet, kind and caring man could be so cruelly indifferent. It's made me see him in a completely different light and wonder how deep the damage really runs. I would be horrified if our son ever felt that way about me and wonder what lesson this teaches our children. Am I overreacting? Should I accept that this was a reaction to a horrible past, or is this a red flag? So my question here is, did he do this in front of your son?
1: Yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure. I feel like that should be a thing that should be clarified, because those are two very different reactions uh, just with the child there, like, reacting, drinking wine. Um, but if it was just like a private moment between the two of them, for a person right. who's her their husband has been alienated from for decades. I don't I don't know. It seems a a bit like a letter writer is kind of combining different feelings into this reaction and projecting a little
0: bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say absolutely, if your like young child was in the room and your husband grabbed himself a glass of wine and started dancing around singing the song from The Wizard of Oz. That was definitely not okay. Um, and you too would need to go back and talk to your son. Um, your husband would, would want to kind of ex- explain in an age-appropriate way um, that sometimes people can have really complicated feelings about their own parents, um, that his mother um, was was a very painful woman to be in contact with and that part of him felt relief um, but that that's not the way that you all treat one another um, and that that's not how he wants to talk about things like that with one another so if that happened yes absolutely follow up conversations your son's probably going to have some questions um, you, you two should absolutely check in with one another about how you want to parent differently um, in, in light of this like misstep um, but if he just did this in a private moment and you're simply worried, you know, what will it teach our son if my husband didn't love his mother? Um, that, I think, is not the same. Like, the the fact that your husband is relieved that the woman who abused him and he hasn't spoken to in decades is dead. Um, and even that that relief sometimes looks um, indifferent or cold. um, then I I think that's more for for you to kind of figure out where that's coming from in you. Um, I I do often see... letters from people who have abusive parents, especially abusive mothers. Um, because there's not as much of kind of like a cultural script for like, if you have a bad dad, everyone's kind of like, right, country songs, like I, I know what to say to someone with a bad dad, but oftentimes people's response to an abusive mother is sort of like, but she's your mother. You should always feel a certain way about her because she is your mother. Um and that's not a very helpful response to someone who has been serially abused.
1: Yeah. And I think that if this was the first reaction. There's also different. There's different stages of grief. Um, it could be in that first moment it was relief from being, you know, for eternally being free from this abusive person. But there could be other feelings that come later. And I think that if you give your husband time, um, he could react in this emotional way that you're expecting but it's also everyone deals with things perfectly so you would have to see if you know maybe there's some of that sadness that you're expecting or if this is just the way that
0: he's dealing with this loss yeah and and i think at least some of the key to this is going to be you say that he's a sweet kind and caring man um you know, you don't say that like this pops up sometimes in other aspects of our lives. Like sometimes he seems really insensitive to the sufferings of others. So that to me is at least a reason to stop and think. Um, if he is normally a very kind and sensitive and and sweet person, then the fact that this was his response, I, I think actually really suggests that this abuse ran deep um, and that, as a result, like, yes, she gave birth to him, but she was his abuser first. Um, and if they did not speak for decades and you don't have any reason to believe that he was being unreasonable or uncharitable towards her, then I think part of what you need to work on here is um, prioritizing, empathizing with the experience of your husband rather than the idea of loving your mother. Um Because, you know, the idea of the mother carries a lot of weight with it. Um, And if somebody's mother is abusive, um, and they hear their whole lives, but she's your mother, I'm sure she really loved you. I'm sure she didn't mean it. Um, That can carry an emotional toll, too. So... You know, certainly talk about it with your husband. Certainly say, like, this was kind of intense to see. Can we talk more about this? Um, I, I, I know to some extent the ways in which she was horrible, but I, I just want to know more about, like, what it felt like growing up with her as a parent. What what did it feel like when you were finally able to cut off contact? Um, what were your primary responses um, to to realizing how abusive she was? Like, Tell me more about what's going on inside of you, um, because I, I want to know. Um, And you can certainly find ways to talk about, you know, sometimes it makes me anxious because um, it's painful to see. I love our son. Neither of us abuse him. Um, It makes me sad that your mother failed you. Um, But, you know, that line about like, it makes me see him in a different light and wonder how deep the damage really runs. I kind of think that's the fear a lot of people who have been victims of childhood abuse have, which is like, If I actually acknowledge how bad the abuse was and I confess that I don't love my parent who is also my abuser, um, that makes me different from other people. And they won't won't understand and they'll blame me and they'll think there's something wrong with me and that I'm just not loving enough. And and I got to tell you, if by all accounts she was a horrible person and she abused him and your response to his relief and joy at the fact that she's finally dead is like, man, I really don't know what to think of him anymore. I just really, re- I want to encourage you to rethink that. Um, I, I think what you're seeing is is not a sign of how damaged he is as a person, because he sounds kind and sweet and sensitive, um, but of how bad her abuse was.
1: Yeah, and I think there's also a lesson or a conversation if you're thinking about the way you're going to raise your child or you know, anything that you're talking about is kind of the idea of a chosen family. That it's not always a people who gave birth to you or you got your genes from, um, but it's the people who help you to grow to be a good person. And how there are likely people in your life who, for the letter writer and their child and their husband, will make a big impact on this child's life. And Just to kind of remember that those people are there for a reason and that's always going to be a support and that your children will find those supports as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, good luck. This is going to be more than one conversation, especially as you two continue to raise a child together. But I do think you should be really careful about how you speak to him about it and do not say things like this makes me see you in a different light. Um, I think you can say something like this makes me have questions, Um, but but hold back some of the judgment. Um, at least until you know more.
1: Yeah, and just be open to listening because this seems like something that, you know, you don't know as many details about um, as, you know, if this reaction is surprising to you. So there might be more there. And if the letter writer's husband is open to sharing, um, the letter writer should be open to listening.
0: Yeah. So this next letter has me just frustrated and sad and angry already.
1: Yeah, this it's, this one uh, made me
0: very angry. <laughs> I hope so much that we can, like, help in some small way today to contribute to the end of I'm just concerned about your health.
1: Yeah, um, I guess I'm in a pyro mood today because I'm just thinking about setting things on fire. But this is more of, like, a metaphorical set on fire. I want to set the idea of I'm just concerned about your health on fire. I want it gone. I want it gone forever. It is never helpful. Yeah. It is never, never helpful. Yeah, it's never come it's from not a, true. a place that's actually about health. It's always concern, concern trolling.
0: Yes, it's a smokescreen and it is so, so, so gendered. It is almost always um, used as a bludgeon against women. Um, that's not to say that there are never exceptions to that, but overwhelmingly, these are the kind of comments that women receive and not men. Um, and, you know, the last line in this letter is, like, that's the end result of this kind of thing. Um, anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, at, at least I'm announcing my biases beforehand. Um, I think it's your turn to read this letter. Yes, so, it is. Uh, take
1: it away. All right. Subject, I'm Jack Sprat's wife. Dear Prudence, for the past few years, my husband has expressed that he doesn't like that I've gained some weight. I've got some weight to lose, but not a large amount. He's skinny as a rail and eats junk food. I'm chubbier and I do my best to eat healthy. At first, my husband said he was concerned that I was working out three to five times a week and cutting calories with no success, so therefore something must be wrong. There wasn't. Then he said that he was worried about my health and ability to keep up with our kids. Except my mile time is better than his. I can bench press more than he can, and I can stay at the playground longer chasing the kids around than he can, if he goes at all. Finally, my husband said that he was not attracted to me, which is what I suspected all along. It also doesn't help that when we go to the doctor, I get a lecture about my weight, and he routinely gets a clean bill of health, which he uses to back up his concerns about my health. I'm not sure how to deal with this aside from starving myself, which is my next step. It's hard watching my husband stuff his face with beer, cheeseburgers, and donuts while I have to poke at my egg whites and salad, knowing that he'll always be skinnier and healthier than I am. How do I get over this, especially when he gets to do whatever he wants, but I'm the unhealthy spouse? I hate my body more and more every day.
0: That last line just kills me. Like Absolutely. You know, as as the internet saying goes, throw the whole man away. Yeah. Just put it put him in the dumpster. Just he's
1: push it out to sea. Absolutely. See, I that's a like, way to get rid of him without using fire.
0: I'll keep that in mind. Like yeah, I I just want to point out his concern for your health, which we all know is not concern for your health, has put you in a position where you hate your body more and more every day. Like, tell me if that's good for your health. Is it good for your health to loathe yourself more and more every day that you wake up? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue in favor of no, it does not improve your health to hate your body more and more with every waking moment. Yeah, and especially
1: when by all markers, you are a very active person who seems to find all these ways to enjoy life outside of, you know, your husband driving you to self-loathing in a very unfair way. But you're active, you're spending time with your kids. And it seems that outside of, you know, poking at the way that your body just might be naturally and the fact that that's not bad, uh, this man is not really contributing that much to your life.
0: No, every detail about him is just infuriating, like you know, uh, that little line about you know, I can stay at the playground longer chasing the kids around than he can, if he goes at all Yeah. Like this man, like shovels donuts in front of you while he's encouraging you to eat egg whites and salad, constantly pointing out things that he thinks you're doing wrong. Um, he offers all these, like, dumb excuses for why he can, like, nitpick your diet and then finally admitting that the real reason is he doesn't think you're hot Um, and, and like, is just fine with the fact that you feel miserable and are, like, running after the kids. Like... I got to tell you, I imagine your life would be better if you had a civil custody agreement in place, um, knew exactly when he was going to be with the children as mandated by a court, and got to eat in peace.
1: Absolutely. Um, And just to know that there is nothing wrong with your body. It is not a bad thing. It is not a broken thing. It is your body, and even if you don't love it, like, you're inside of it, and it makes life easier when you're okay with that, and you don't have to spend so much energy thinking about how you could be changing it, because that takes up a lot of energy.
0: And that it is not impossible to be attracted to you. Um, That you are not somehow no longer sexually attractive simply because your husband has really, really fucked up sexist ideas about what a man should do and look like and what a woman should do and look like. Um, So I I just got to say this sounds relentless. This sounds constant. Um, It sounds like he does not let up. Um, It sounds degrading. Um, I don't think this is just like a one-off. I don't think this is something that if only you could explain to him, hey, it makes me feel really bad when you constantly point out that you're not attracted to me and that I'm not healthy, even though you know that I am. Um, Like, this is not just like, oh, a a well-meaning guy who got his wires crossed. Like, this man wants to control your body. And if he cannot do that, he wants to make you hate yourself. Um, And I don't think you should stay married to him. I really don't. And like the fact that like the medical establishment backs him up, um, in that, like, apparently he can show up to the doctor. The doctor looks at him and is like, Great, I don't need to ask you what you eat all day because I can tell what's inside of your body based on your outline. So you must be healthy. Um, and then clearly does not ask you enough questions either by saying, I've looked at the outline of your body. And so I know what kind of health you have. Um, everyone go home. I've done a wonderful job being a doctor today. Um, That does not uh, make your husband right. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. And this might feel like, especially because you're in this place of hating yourself, it might feel like, oh, I couldn't leave him over this. This isn't that big a deal. The fact that he makes me hate myself isn't a good enough reason to leave him. Um, And I just, I hope that you can see this as a reason too. Like, just ask yourself, would you say something to your husband over and over again that made him hate himself? And then if he told you this makes me hate myself, would you say... That's just fine. That's just how marriage looks. I don't think you would do this to him. I really, really don't.
1: Yeah, and I think that the way that the letter writers kind of explained all these details, it makes it seem like they think that they deserve this. um, And that's so sad to me uh, because it's terrible. No one deserves this. No one deserves to be in a relationship with someone who is grinding at them and poking at them and making them feel worthless every single day, it's likely. Or quite often, so much so that you're starting to take those messages in. Um, You deserve someone who makes you feel good, makes you grow and, you know, be happy to be who you are, not want to change everything.
0: Or at a bare minimum, somebody who is like, uh, Going to adopt a position of benign neglect towards you. Like, frankly, if the bar were even just a husband who does not make me feel like starving myself is my next step, he still fails to clear that bar. You know, like that line I'm not sure how to deal with this aside from starving myself, which is my next step. And that just kills me that he's, like, put her in this place where she's, like, I, I guess all that's left to do is develop, like, a really strict eating disorder and suffer every day. And I just I, I just want you to know, letter writer, just leave him. Just lose his weight. Like, just, just leave him. Um, leave him and focus on developing a relationship with your body where you think, I deserve food. I deserve food that tastes good. I deserve to continue lifting weights and running and using my body in ways that make me feel active and in control. I deserve playing with my children. I deserve all of that without constant harassment. Um, and I think if you were able to give yourself that gift, you would realize like he does not bring anything good to your life. He makes you suffer. He makes you feel like you deserve to suffer because you have committed the sin of being chubby and a woman at the same time. Um, and I hope he fucking steps on a nail every day for the rest of his life.
1: Every single day, maybe twice a day. Um, I think yeah. that's that's what he deserves.
0: And, I, I you know, I don't want to do, like, concern trolling of just, like, what if he starts saying this to your kids someday? Because that puts you in a position of, like, having to make up for his shitty behavior. But it's just like, you know, if part of you is inclined to put this away and say it's not really that bad, I don't mind suffering so much because your self-esteem is so low right now, you know try to think about your kids, not in the sense of you're a bad parent if you don't protect them. But like, if your husband said stuff like this to your children every day, I don't think you would stand for it. So that might even just be helpful in terms of framing what kind of behavior you think it's okay for him to show towards you. Because if you would be outraged if someone treated your children like this, you know, you deserve that same sort of protection. You deserve that same sort of love and respect.
1: Yeah. And I think this is Like, kids are always just listening to the way that their parents are talking to each other. And that impacts their relationships, both with their parents and then their future relationships. So, you know, you wouldn't really want your kids to grow up thinking that it would be okay for people to be speaking to them the way that you're being spoken to.
0: Yeah, I think mostly what I want to sum up is you say, you know, that your husband will always be skinnier and healthier than you are. He may always be skinnier than you. I don't know. Lots happens. A lot can happen in life. Bodies can change. Um, I know he's not healthier than you. Um, I know he's not a healthy man. Um, Leaving aside the fact that his diet sounds like highly processed. it's not healthy to treat the person that you're married to like this. Um, It's not healthy to ignore your children. Um, It's not healthy to, you know, uh, constantly harp on somebody else's size and make them feel like they need to starve themselves. That's not healthy. All right, this last one, I'm I'm, I'm glad we kind of saved like a sort of nice problem for the last one because some of these have just got me feeling... Um, as you say, ready to set some stuff on fire and push it into the ocean. And, uh, let's just, let's just end on a high note. The subject is classic oversharer. And I just want to say, this is not a classic overshare. This is a, you know, a slightly unique overshare. Again, it's great. Dear Prudence, I'm a 30 something gay guy who's close friends with another gay couple. The three of us hang out a lot. And I also spend time with each of them individually. One of them, an unusually attractive guy in his early 20s, likes to send me funny pictures and jokes. Recently, most of the pictures that he sends are from beaches or pool parties where he's shirtless and often wearing revealing swimsuits. Over the past few weeks, he's sent multiple pictures of himself in his underwear that can be seen from a mirror behind him. I suspect that's not accidental, and I'm a bit ashamed to say I've enjoyed them. I've never sent him any similar pictures, but I also haven't asked him to stop. This couple has an open relationship, but has never overtly expressed interest in me other than just as friends. Part of me thinks that this might be a testing of the water situation for him to see if I would be interested in a sexual encounter. But he's also a really kind and innocent person who always thinks the best of others. Is the best course of action for me to plainly ask him not to send revealing pictures? I worry that asking him to stop sending these types of pictures will put it in his brain that I'm being a creep and seeing the sexuality in something just fun. But if this were a flirting situation, I would be interested in something more. So I don't often get letters from people who are like, I really want to preserve my friendship. I have attractive friends and I want to behave appropriately and kindly <laughs> and I don't want to read too much into something that could be a little ambiguous. That's good. That's I'm, I'm glad to hear that. It is.
1: Um, But as a person who has taken, quite possibly, thousands of selfies, uh, there is no way that any of these pictures were accidental. (laughs) They might be lighthearted in nature, but you find these angles and you study them. And those are what you said. There's probably another, like... In every set of these pictures, there's another, like, 15 that aren't sent. Even if it's just friends, you want to look nice for your
0: friends. uh, Right, and that doesn't mean he wants to, like, have sex in the next 24 hours. It could just mean he enjoys being mildly flirtatious with his friends and is like, I look really cute and I want all my pals to know. Uh, Absolutely. But you don't have to feel bad and think, like, oh, no, this was an accident. He meant to send it to his husband.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think that... This really seems like it's just a person who uh, isn't. It's kind of weird to say, that be like a, like he's an innocent person who's just like accidentally just in front of a mirror taking <laughs> this picture and just happens to have like an underwear showing. Like it's not a bad thing, but I don't think that it's as much of an open door as any sort of actual conversation would be. I think you can have small bits of that conversation you can see if there's flirting and you know in other ways but i don't think the pictures are that big of an indication either way
0: yeah yeah so the question really is there's it feels like there's two questions one is like am i inherently creepy for enjoying these like kind of flirty cute pictures and i i you know If he's really comfortable sending them, um, if you're not saying anything like super weird in response, um, the fact that you think he is a good looking guy and you enjoy pictures of his torso, you're, you're, you're fine. You're not a monster. You're great. Um, and then the other question is sort of like, do I want to kind of, uh, see if he is interested in hooking up? Um, am I okay with that? Then that, you know, that's the sort of question of like, you would still have to have a conversation. You know, you can't just show up and be like, thank you for the shirtless picture. Sex now? Um,
1: it's a transaction. It's not a right. Transaction. You would have to,
0: yeah. You'd have to think about like, how might this affect the friendship? What if they both wanted to sleep with me and I only wanted to sleep with one of them? How would I navigate that? Um, you know, you say you're 30 something and he's in his early twenties. I don't know if that makes him like 24 and you 31, or if he's like 20 and you're 39, like there's a wide range in there. Um, again, you're, you're the one who knows him. You can kind of determine how comfortable, um, you might feel thinking about that particular age limit. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to come out and say that it's either like 100% not okay or 100% okay um, without knowing a little bit more. But yeah, there's a number of questions there. Um, and you kind of have to figure out like, is it important enough to me to try to see if we could sleep together that I would want to have these potentially uncomfortable conversations? Or would I rather simply enjoy a slightly flirty message from a friend and then go look for my hookup somewhere else?
1: Yeah, I think this is either you kind of stay in the shallows and just kind of enjoy these pictures and enjoy having attractive friends, which everyone should have. They should have attractive friends. Or you kind of dive in. Like there's no middle ground. Um, and I think you would just really have to think about what would happen if you pursued
0: this and how they would react. Yeah. And certainly, you know, if you would like to ask him to stop, like if you just kind of decide like, nope, I don't want to hook up with him, even though I think he's very cute. Um, and as great as these pictures are, it does make me feel a little uncomfortable to to see them periodically. You can totally ask him to stop that. You know, you're not obligated to keep receiving them while feeling kind of guilty for the rest of your life. Um, even having like fun, flirty friends, it's totally OK to say like, hey, this is, uh, you know, really Nice that you're feeling yourself, but I would prefer not to receive shirtless pictures. Thank you so much. Um, that is a perfectly reasonable thing to say, even to your babliest friends. Yeah.
1: Um, boundaries are important even when your friends are hot. It's a good lesson. Es-
0: especially when your friends are hot, exactly. frankly. <laughs> hot friends are the ones where boundaries are the most important. Um, and it is, I think, a uniquely difficult uh, challenge when your dating pool and your friendship pool is kind of the same thing. Um, because then the question of like who do I treat as a friend and who do I treat as a treat as a potential date or hookup, um, there's always a little bit of blurring, and there can sometimes be different rules of engagement, um, and sometimes rules of engagement that are just true across the board. Um, either way, it's a sweet problem so far. No one has done anything that sounds awful. You sound like a caring person who also appreciates a lovely torso um, and wants to behave well in the world. And I think that the world could use a lot of people like that. So congratulations to you. Gold star. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, just, just, I'm just happy that people are feeling great about their looks and sending pictures to their friends. May we all find such energy in these dark times. Um, The selfie angles are hard. Selfie angles are really, angles are really hard. And like once I find a good one... It just feels like I need to share this with the world. Yeah. Uh, it
1: just just take as many as you can until you stop recognizing your face. Then you take mm-hmm. a break and you come back and you find the good one because you can never do a long selfie session and then choose right away because you'll always be like right. I don't I don't know who this person is. Do I look good? I look good? I, do I look good? And then but if you take a break, you can come back and remember it's like, oh no, I look great
0: but I have 74 pictures. You need to come back and take a break and like get new ideas of angles too. Like sometimes True. if you do like one quick burst in a session, like you're just going to get stuck in sort of the same three or four ideas and it can help to like stop, take a breath, look away. True. This is all just like, now I'm thinking back to like early seasons of Top Model. Like I'm just picturing Tyra where she's just like, and then you need to look away and then you need to look back. Um, and you got to smize. You got to smize. Oh my goodness. I need to rewatch early episodes of that show because that changed everything about the world.
1: It really did. It's just, it's been on for forever and I've watched recent seasons and it's still great. It's it's
0: terrible. I will never ever get tired of that show or of Tyra. Yeah. Um, So before we let you go, is there anything else, like, just in terms of general life advice um, that is as good as take some breaks from taking selfies um, before you make a decision that you want to offer our listeners?
1: Oh, wow. Um, General life advice. I feel like there's always room to listen to people more than you do. Like, even if you feel like a good listener, it's always kind of nice to just kind of Sit back and let other people talk, but to never lose your voice in that. I feel like that was a little bit more pithy than I was aiming for, but... No, that was fabulous. That and
0: always have some sort of baked good in your
1: purse so that you can throw
0: it at angry train passengers if necessary.
1: It's a good way to make up for being a person who's always late. Uh, Just curry favor with just snacks. Uh, That's the reason I have friends, uh, because I'm always late, but
0: I always bring snacks. You know, I think that that's a pretty good trade-off. And um, you will never hear complaints from me. Valute, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, it's been great. I had an amazing time.
0: Yeah, and I hope that the train ride back is much, much better than the one that got you here. And um, we'll have to get you back on the show sometime soon and only have questions about selfie angles and baking problems.
1: Those are my two two biggest bases of knowledge. So I would be happy to do that. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, Thanks.